welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 104 for Saturday the 9th of June, 2018. And before you go any further, if you're sitting listening to this at your computer, I'd like you to head for paulteague.com forward slash summer. So paulteague.com forward slash summer. And I'll tell you why I've asked you to look at that particular link in a moment or two. But first to this week's uh, writing news. And I've just finished two days of writing for So Many Lies. And we're currently, the, the actual word count is 58,800, actually. So it's, it's bang on 800, 58,800. But in terms of my kind of writing targets, I should have actually been at um, 55,000 today. But because I overwrite, it kind of creeps up. You get kind of book creep as we go along. So on Thursday, I wrote 5,063 words. And I was up at the crack of dawn on Thursday because I had to drop one of my kids off uh, at the station. So I got up at, I think it was about six-ish, uh, wrote my first 1,700. I think I wrote to 2,000 words by about 7.30. Did breakfast, got up, you know, got my wife a cup of tea, all of those sorts of things, and then came back to it. And that meant that I'd got the 5,000 or so words done by the time it was time to go to the station. What I didn't want to do is interrupt my day by going to the station and having to come back to write because I'm not very good at that. As you know from listening to these diaries, I need to get my head down and get on with it. Any kind of breaks or distractions that I'm done for. Uh, so that's why I managed Thursday in that way. And whereas today I'm recording this on Friday, uh, in the last 10 minutes, I've just finished today's word count. So I wrote 5,166 words today. But today was one of those regular writing days when my wife leaves the house at 20 to 10. I'm straight in the study uh, and I just keep writing until the work's done. So as I say, the top the top tally is 58,800 words. I'm writing this book to 90,000 words. And I really am at the stage now where, uh, pr pretty well, I think, I hope these aren't famous last words, but I think the plot's just going to pretty well play out now. So I really know where it's going. It's it's just going to play itself out, I think. But I mean, I've got a whole section left. I got another, what is it? I'm just trying to think, is it 60,000? Uh, no, I can't do the arithmetic. <laughs> What is it? Nice. 30,000 words. That's what I've got to do. I, the, the, the sort of the, 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 all the action's going to take place or the final action. It all comes together in the, the final kind of 30,000 words. But I feel like that's all set up nicely now. It's all good to go. We've got all the intrigue, the plots. It's all, um, a thriller's like a slow release. I always feel that you've got to, you've got to time the release of the information in the story. You've got to give the, the clues and the, any kind of backstory that you need to know already for this sort of more, if that's how you pronounce the word. So anyhow, it all, it all feels like it's set up. It may be famous last words, but it does feel like this book has got its head of steam now, uh, that it will virtually write itself with all the characters and the, the kind of secrets in place. So really enjoying uh, writing it. Uh, no, no real problems over the last two days. No sort of plotting issues there. Um, I will have to do a little bit of plotting with those last 30,000 words. Um, I'll just have to do a little bit of um, detailed plotting around that because you've got to make sure everything is tied up at the right time. 
um, you know, by the end of the book and all the secrets, uh, you know, I always like a big crescendo there. I always kind of like to write the, it's almost the penultimate chapter. And in the penultimate chapter, you still haven't got a clue kind of what, what happened. And, and there's hopefully a, a, a gasp moment most of the time where you think that somebody who didn't want to die has just died. And then you find out kind of how it played out in the last um, section or the last chapter. So it's just carefully like a pincer movement, moving all the plot points forward, 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 um, revealing as little as you can, as long as you can. And then at some point, you've got to let it all unfurl. So no, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, very happy with the story. Um, full full of intrigue. It's got all the bits that it needs. So uh, yeah, going well. Uh, I wanted to just mention to you then this this web link that I said to have a look at at paulteague.com slash summer. It's funny, I was at the Amazon Academy earlier this week, and I'll talk to you about that in detail in a moment or two. And the kind of guests for the podcast, you'll know that I'm on a summer break at the moment with the podcast guests. And we're pretty well running about once every fortnight at the moment. And, and already, it's quite clear to me that that is a really comfortable frequency of guest interviews. Now, very soon, I'm just trying to think, I've just got my planning note off. So we had Miles this week. In On the 18th, we've got Barry Hutchison. Uh, we've got Wendy Jones on the 2nd of July. And then uh, you've got to have to wait a month for the next one. And then a month after that, I'm just trying to flick through... And then is it a month after that before we, we get back to, to normal kind of procedure? And, and, a, and a month feels endless to me. Having, having done a weekly interview for so long, it feels almost quite frightening to, to go to, to monthly gaps. But I, I still, still want to, uh, you know, do the month if I can. I want to leave the month gap because I want, I've, I've, I've pretty well got a free summer. Now, you, you know, as a small business owner, as an author, you don't have, any kind of free time, there's always something that you can do. But what I mean by a free summer is an unallocated summer. My days, I don't work Thursday, Friday. And so I generally have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, generally, with a couple of exceptions, have the summer holidays, the school summer holidays, free or unallocated, which is quite an exciting prospect for me. So I'd like to get some marketing done, I'd like to to just finish off my emails after GDPR. I've kind of got them in a holding position at the moment, but I need to do some proper work with sequences and things like that. I desperately need to get some ads going on Amazon ads because I've kind of got one that's working really well for me with MailChimp, but I do need to get some fiction ones going. I've just got lots of little jobs that I need to do. And it's quite a tempting prospect to, to feel that I've got the summer there uh, when I'm not going to have to be constantly be recording podcast interviews and things like that. So the the month gap is quite frightening, but I have to tell you to you that the the two week gap has felt very doable, and um and I was thinking about that, and also I'm doing some podcast learning uh, with something completely unassociated with this particular you know uh, podcast, this diary. But I'm 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 learning from somebody who has a very successful podcast at the moment. I've immersed myself in some learning. And just listening to the the webinars that are part of that process was making me think the other day. And was it yesterday morning? I thought, sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna run a little survey over summer for listeners and just sort of share my thoughts with you and see what you think about it. So I've, I've created a survey, and you can go to the survey at uh, paulteague.com slash summer. That's a redirect link, so it will take you to a, a Google form. 
And it's just a, a quick survey called the Self-Publishing Journey Summer Review. And the questions I've asked uh, are just, they're very, it's very straightforward. You could just go straight through it, just tick, tick a box. Uh, I don't need any detail from you. So it'll only take you a couple of minutes. But questions like, how long have you listened to the podcast? What's your favorite bit? How can I improve it? What would be the ideal frequency of interview episodes? What's the ideal duration of an episode? Um, also, I'm considering a couple of new features and possibly a name change. These are just things I'm, you know, tossing around over summer, just while we've got this hiatus, this summer hiatus. Um, it's just a part of the review process, really. I'm just thinking about when we pick it up in October, how, how might that work? Because to me, and I don't know how, this is why I want to hear from you, to, to me, a guest every couple of weeks feels about right. I know what I'm like with other people's podcasts, and sometimes I just can't keep up with the guests, can't keep up with it. And, and certainly from a recording point of view, every couple of weeks for a guest, uh, I'm excluding the podcast diary from this because the podcast diary is no problem at all. That will continue weekly, whatever I do. But the, the guests just feel naturally already for me. It doesn't feel like I'm doing you know one after the other after the other. It doesn't feel quite so relentless. It feels already like a kind of natural pace for me. So just let me know what you think. Um, also, uh, there's another, you know, just other things that I'm, I'm mulling over at the moment. So um, I, I'm sort of thinking of evolving the podcast from a purely self-publishing podcast to a kind of writing podcast. Uh, mainly that's to reflect the fact that I would consider being hybrid now um, and, 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 you know, quite keen to talk to some traditional authors as well. But also I'm, I'm sort of thinking, when I saw Lee Child the other day at Crime Fest in Bristol, I thought, Joe, I'd really like to get Lee Child on if I could. And, and the thing is, with big names like that, they take quite a lot of time and negotiation to get on a podcast. You, you, they're like, um, they only land, you only land a big name every now and then, but it's always worth pitching for them. And because I got such an established podcast now, to be honest with you, I probably get away with a few now. So, um, and you know, I'm used to it in radio. Uh, I used to asking politicians and things like that. So it, it doesn't trouble me. And some you, some you win, some you lose. So I was, I was also thinking about getting some big names on, some really big names too. And, and if I got those big names on, I could say to you, you know, say I got Lee Child on, I could say, what do you want to ask Lee Child? I'll, I'll ask him that on the interview. So I'm just thinking about, um, just moving in a slightly different direction. Now, what I should say is the diaries will stay as they are, right? The only, I think there's one question related to the diaries. Uh, and that is, you know, if you had to have fewer diaries and more editing, would you rather these diaries were more edited or would you like them once a week? just as they are, because I haven't got time to, to, to edit them every week. It's a choice, edited and, and fewer, or every week and unedited, uh, because I need to get them out regularly. So um, I'd, I'd love it if you would feedback, if, you listen, if you're listening to this right now, just do it while you're listening to the podcast. It'll only take you five minutes. I mean, literally, there's nothing, you, there is a section there where you can put a slightly longer answer if you want, but mainly it's just tick, 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 submit, and off we go. And that will really help me and I won't make any decisions on this until after September um, because I'm just mulling it over at the moment and I'm going to a kind of podcast learning event and am I going sometime in June end of June um, so I, you know I have no decisions will be made until I go through that process but it's just a review that's all it is but bottom line is is the podcast diaries won't be going anywhere because I everybody tells me that they they like the podcast diaries so back to the Amazon Academy then this is the Amazon Author Academy and I think I probably said I wasn't going to do any more of these, but because this one was in Newcastle, so I considered Newcastle to be my patch. When you live in Cumbria, nothing's really your patch. So Edinburgh's an hour away on the train. Uh, Glasgow's an hour away on the train. 
Newcastle is an hour away on the train, and Manchester is about two hours away on the train. It's it's uh, yeah, about two, I think it is. So so really, Newcastle is is my kind of local territory, if you want. It's where all the regional things are based that cover Cumbria. So for instance, I did some work for New Writing North recently. And they're based in Newcastle. So, so that's where the regions tend to be. When I worked for the BBC in Cumbria, the regional BBC centre that I looked to was in Newcastle. So because this was in Newcastle, then quite obviously I wanted to do it, uh, even though I think I probably said I wasn't going to do um, any more of the Amazon author academies. And I passed on the, the Glasgow author academy recently. To be honest with you, because it'd been such a gap from the last ones, if I'd have been available for the, the Glasgow one, I probably probably would have done it to be honest with you because they're actually really good events and, and if I did say I was not going to do I can't remember whether I did say I was going to do these or not you know what it's like I change my mind every five minutes um but I enjoyed this one in Newcastle so much that I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out again because they're they're really good now uh we had a completely different panel from from who I've had on previous occasions so uh I was on panels with uh LJ Ross Louise Ross who's a, a sort of regional crime writer Louise writes crimes that are based within the northeast uh david uh leadbeater now david's based in york slightly out of my patch but he's you know still my part of the world and um he writes i think sort of he described them to me we went out for lunch on or dinner i should say on the monday evening and he described them as kind of like indiana jones things and looking at the covers they, they look like a kind of dan brownie sort of thing also there was margaret ski who i have met uh, a couple of times now actually uh, Margaret was on stage and Margaret also has invited me up to an event um, in when is it August in Scotland so I'm speaking at one of Margaret's events and I've also interviewed her on this podcast so um, also obviously we had the Amazon team there as well so they took us out for food on the Monday night so I finished work on Monday jumped on a train uh, and then <laughs> got got to the hotel I was with my wife uh, but my wife kind of went off and did her own thing during the day. And so I, I made sure my wife was in at the hotel okay. I jumped in an Uber and arrived just in the nick of time for food at the restaurant. So had a lovely evening out um, on the Amazon credit card, which is very nice. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was just, uh, it was fabulous just talking author stuff. And then the next day we were up and I think I was on, I had to do a little introduction at the beginning and then I was part of two author panels. Now, remember, I'm not there because I'm selling a load of books. I'm there because I was representing the Alliance of Independent Authors. But it really is quite a, a privilege and a thrill to be on stage with people who really are shifted on a lot of books. It's very, very exciting. And uh, Louise Ross, I was, you know, clearly as you do, if you're going to be sharing a stage with somebody, I checked out David and, and Louise beforehand on Amazon and online. And I'm, I'm looking at, I mean, Louise is writing what's closest to what I'm writing. And I'm looking at her, I think she started in 2014, which is probably when I started writing The Secret Bunker. And she's just created this just simply uh, amazing uh, self-published uh, book kind of business in that time. All, all regional crime book she does her own covers she's amazon exclusive and she's selling a shed load of books and in the uk i was looking at the reviews on some of her books i mean one one thousand seven hundred reviews on a book you know those of you who know what it's like to get reviews on books is absolutely astonishing you must be selling so many books at that level and david's story was amazing too you know david had started writing he'd had a a, a regular job as, as we all do and um, he'd managed to give up his job he 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 didn't feel safe until a while back it's funny we had a really good conversation uh, when we were eating and he said he he keeps like two years worth of 
of salary in the bank? Because I said to him, do, do you feel safe yet? Do you feel like, I know, I know you're making enough money now, but do you feel like you're safe? Do you feel like you're always going to make enough money? And he said, well, I keep two years money in the bank just in case I have to go back to to work again. It's just really interesting to talk to somebody who's as success, successful as David. And he, he, last year, he was the winner of the Amazon Storyteller uh, competition. He was just saying to me that, you know, really that that um, he'd felt that things were slowing down a little bit. And then he won the Storyteller competition. It's put him kind of right back on the map. So absolutely fascinating to have those frank conversations uh, with the authors. And and then after the Amazon event, we all went and had a cup of tea in reception while we were waiting to dis- disperse for planes and trains and things like that so you know it really is quite a privilege as as an author at my level to be able to mix with authors at that level and have those frank conversations and I I'm just there you know lapping up the experience of the knowledge and I, I think meeting Louise in particular because she writes in my genre it's really sort of given me some food for thought and some inspiration so Louise prices her books at one pound 99 or or two dollars 99 so she prices them at the, the lowest price you can get them at, at 75 percent so um, my pricing has been quite high recently while i've been doing amazon ads i followed brian meeks's advice and price them quite high at 4.99 uh, because he says you could do that on amazon ads but just talking to louise and, and seeing the rack of books that she's got there which looks although the covers are different well, i've got a rack of books like that too now and i was just thinking right i'm going to try a price change again so um i've put my books down to louise's price if louise can make that much money at 199 and their policy is just across the board you know we, we price them at that price um i just said right let's give that a try uh you know learn from people who are doing better than you so uh, I did that. I, I changed my pricing this week on my ebooks. Uh, again, you just got to try stuff, see how it works. But also, I think I think kind of the pennies finally dropped. It's been teetering there for ages. But one of the things I think I've I've probably said to you and I've resisted it is this idea that when you write in crime thrillers, people tend to have a character and they follow the character through. And I just had one of those moments the other day where I thought you know I've written what am I on now my eighth thriller and each time I mean I know Don't Tell Meg is a trilogy but I've I each time I write a thriller a standalone thriller I have to come up with a new world new characters a new scenario and it just made me think well you know actually if you've got the same core team in a book every time the same kind of core uh, staff office whoever they are then really you're just creating the the mystery around it. And obviously you've got to evolve the characters. But I I think really I've just thought, you know, I I, I need to try writing a series, a series with a single kind of narrative, a recurring set of characters um, and books that, although there are clearly threads that run through the series, that each book is a standalone. And it was just talking to Louise and looking at what she's done that made me think that I must do that. Now, if I do that, then I'll write it as probably PJ Teague. So I will write it as uh, a different author name because I enjoy writing my thrillers as as they are, as, uh, what is it, Paul J Teague. So I thought, you know, I'm going to start to think about um, a recurring character. And and I think Louise has got eight books. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll kind of think through ahead eight books not in terms of what the plot is but how I can move the character on from book to book to book because this is the thing that's always worried me you'll have heard me ask interviewees about it from time 
time when I have people who write in series, I say to them, does it feel like you've got this albatross around your neck with, with a series? And, and nobody does, does because they always say the characters develop. They're never static. You're not writing the same thing every time. So I think if I apply myself to that to make sure that I don't uh, feel bored by it, that I've got significant changes for my core characters in each book, you know, I think that'll probably be okay. So I am going to start applying myself to that. And, and because it's just, it's just a formula that seems to work so well for people. And, and there's me resisting it all the time. I often, you, you know, you'll hear it. You probably shout at the, 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 the recording or, you, you know, your phone or whatever. Uh, it's probably, it's probably more obvious to you listening to me witter on like this week after week. But I, I said it about nonfiction that maybe I should just write a nonfiction book because I don't seem to have any issues with that. And I've also resisted series and maybe I should just write a series. You know, I did enjoy writing Don't Tell Meg trilogy. I loved the characters in that book and, and I could revive uh, those characters. I, I'd, I'd written the end so that I could revive them, but I'd always thought of Don't Tell Meg as my little retirement project because they, they, at the end of the book, they kind of go off to Spain and they don't, there's nothing really about that. There's no commitment there about them going to Spain, uh, but that, that's where they head off to. And I'd always thought, well, I'll, you know, I pick up those characters and, and I'll write Spanish stories. And w- when I'm, when the kids are all gone and I'm retired, I can use that as an excuse to go to Spain every winter. I'll just research the locations and that's a nice little gig for me. I'll write a book when I'm over in Spain uh, for the winter. Uh, th- and that was kind of always my loose plan um, with that book, but I, I did love the characters. There's also a, um, a clairvoyant in those books. And this is terrible, isn't it? I can't remember his name now. Um, there was clairvoyant in those books. And I liked him too. I'd like to do a little bit more with him. Um, you know, there was nothing paranormal about it at all because the main character thought the clairvoyant was a charlatan at first. You know, he's a journalist. He doesn't believe all this nonsense. But you know, there was something about the clairvoyant he, that he just did seem to be able to tap into things. So I, I got a lot of characters there that I would quite like to come back to. So I'm, I'm going to mull that one over. I'm mulling a lot of things over, as you can tell. And this is why I wanted some space over summer, just to have some thinking time. So I wanted to just keep things ticking over lightly. So I'm, I'm doing active work, but I, I do just want to have some thinking time with everything. And actually, I was looking at my uh, schedule. This book's going to be written. When am I going to finish this book? You know, as long as I don't have any crises, plotting crises, I should finish this book on the 13th of July at 90,000 words. And then I was sort of thinking, well, I hadn't intended to write over summer, but I thought if I did write over summer, I've realised I could fit in two 75,000 word books before Christmas. And that's the length that Louise Ross writes to. So I, you know, I really am, I'm going to be quite formulaic about this. You know, I, I, uh, I won't write the same style as book, uh, of book that, that Louise writes, but I, I was just looking at the formula, £1.99 £1. price, uh, completely consistent branding across the books. I think I've got that anyway, but uh, you know, that, that, those are good rules to have. Uh, completely consistent branding, that price point, a recurring series, single sort of narrative, just going to take all those things because it's not just Louise who does it, lots of other successful writers do it too. I was interviewing Wendy Jones, which I'll talk to you about in a moment or two. She does exactly the same thing herself. She's got six books. The covers are all completely themed, recurring character. Everybody's doing it except Paul, of course. So I, I think I really, I really need to take a couple of lessons here. I really do. So, um, loved the Amazon Academy. Uh, really, really loved it. Loved, uh, you know, Darren who hosts it. Fantastic host asks really good questions. Uh, and I just learn so much. It doesn't, it wouldn't matter whether I was on the stage or the audience. Uh, it really doesn't matter to be honest with you. I'm very happy to share 
my experience and I and I, I do feel like I gave some value there because um you know because I'm I'm probably where a lot more people in that room there's there are some many successful people in the room in the audience uh, but many of the people who haven't started yet I I'm sort of I guess I'm closer to where they are in terms of being able to tell them about things that many big writers just wouldn't touch like um, you know book funnel and insta freebie and, and little techniques like that so um I hope I can add some value to people who are closer to where I am, perhaps. But I do learn a lot from those. And if one comes to your area, I, I do recommend that you hop on board. Incidentally, um, it was also great because I met Miles Hudson there. And Miles is the interview guest this week. So I'd, I've spoken to Miles on several occasions. We finished our work with New Writing North together. Uh, the invoice was paid today, which is fantastic. So it was great to have that regional paid work. Um, you know, with a lo- kind of local writing organisation that I'm very interested in. And then uh, Miles, I-, I sent Miles a note to say, oh, um, you know, Amazon are in Newcastle. Uh, if it- I'd recommend that you go there as a, a new self-published author. So Miles went there. Uh, we've got our photograph together as well, which is fantastic. And it was great to catch up with Miles. So um, the trouble with these things is that you're always busy yakking to people. So I, I got a few minutes with Miles, but it was great to meet him in person. So... Um, just a reminder, <laughs> the summer podcast survey, com slash summer. Okay, I wanted to mention a previous guest on this show, Pip Reed. Now, um, if you can remember all the interviews, Pip's from New Zealand and writes the, I think they're Bible Pathway stories. Apologies if I got that wrong, Pip, off the top of my head. Um, and, and they've got beautiful, uh, amazing illustrations. And when I spoke to Pip, one of the things that came out of that interview is just because I, I just said to Pip when I'm looking at her Pinterest panels, this is the best use I've ever seen of Pinterest. It was one of the things I'd said to her. And uh, and it was. And I, Pip would be my first port of call. If somebody said, how, how should I use it, Pinterest as an author? I'd say, look at what Pip does. She uses it absolutely brilliantly. I was delighted to hear that Pip's kind of got involved with self-publishing formula. She did a great interview last week on the podcast. And she's creating a, a, a teaching module on how best to use Pinterest. So listening to Pip's interview, as I was listening to it, I was actually on there uh, adding some photos related to the secret bunker as I was listening, thinking, you know, I've got some great photos around my books that would work really well on Pinterest. I need to follow Pip's advice. So I just really wanted to recommend that interview to you. I'll put the link on the show notes for this week. Um, But if you thought there was nothing in Pinterest for authors, you know, there, there really is. And it was such a great interview great to listen to pip talking in detail specifically about uh, pinterest because my interview was more general um so well done pip great to hear you brilliant brilliant um information that you gave there and also congratulations on getting the attention of the self-publishing formula because it's, it's rightly deserved you're doing brilliant things with pinterest and i've not seen anybody who uses it as, as effectively as you um, something else I did this week is I put two entries into the Staunch Book Prize. Now, this has been quite controversial. It's been very interesting. So um, I'll, I'll just read from the blurb. The inaugural Staunch Book Prize will be awarded to the author of a novel in the thriller genre, that's me, in which no woman is beaten, stalked, sexually exploited, raped or murdered. Now, um, I have spoken to you about this before, and I actually put two entries in for this competition this week because... Um, my, I'm, I'm quite, uh, well, quite bullshit about my portrayal of women in my books. So, uh, my wife's always complimented me, saying, "Well, you write women really well." 
and you you know you, you always have kind of st- strong women in your books and i and i i don't really know why people have such a problem with this because you know i, I write the women that i know and women are just people who happen to be of a different genre, uh, gender to me uh, they're just people you know and, and just like men are just people you know and uh, as people we're all kind of different so i don't sort of have any problem with that and my my psychological thrillers um i'm just trying to think many psychological thrillers you know start with the kind of situation there's a murdered woman and something unpleasant's usually happened to her and when when i saw this competition i thought about my books and actually that, does, that doesn't sort of really happen in my books um it's often the men who come <laughs> the men who do worse in my books i'm just trying to think through them i'm just trying to think it's i'm just trying, so burden of guilt it's a man who dies in in dead of night a, a woman does die but she's a real tough woman she's one of the baddies and she's she, she's standing when all the men are dead um but it, it it's it's part of a dramatic fight scene when she dies so it's kind of like you know it's not it's not a death where she's beaten stalked sexually exploited raped or murdered she is a very powerful uh woman in that scenario and, and the guy nearly gets it um she's very strong uh so that's dead of night um they're certainly put in jeopardy all the characters are put in jeopardy it don't tell meg just trying to think uh about i think is it all men who die in in, in don't tell meg but there's certainly um although that that book um the arc at some point does it, it deals with uh date rape and it does deal with um sort of child abuse through social services only in a very light way it's not graphic at all um it's always in, in the background um it, it's all about it's all ultimately about empowerment and revenge you know no one gets away with it um what else have i written i'm just trying to think oh um one fatal error uh again a, a woman a, a woman dies in that but she's not like a she's not like a, a victim she's one of the baddies she's in control she's controlling the situation and she dies like you know kind of like you know the henchmen would she's like a henchman um so, so her death is like that it doesn't involve being beaten stalked sexually exploited raped or or murdered so i don't think any of my books i'm just looking at them on the shelf there um you know have that in so anyhow i picked the two where probably the women are the strongest who to trust in dead of night and i've entered those and i just thought let's just give it a go just um give it a go but i, I don't write thrillers you know where where um the women are defenseless or all these kind of standard things tend to happen to them they tend to be um my women tend to be strong it's the men who tend to be uh, the ones who are, you know, bumbling and making the mistakes uh, in my books, and I can't even tell you why that is. I'm sure if a psychologist got your books, they, but it's just you know, just my kind of view of the world, really. Um, if a psychologist got all of my books, they'd probably have a field day with them. But um, I, I was, I, I was quite pleased to see that, and I, and, it, and it's not even me taking a political stance against that, because when I write, when I start to write this um, series under PJ Teague. I will, I'll probably be more, uh, convention, conventional about it. Um, I don't, I, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put rape in a book. That's something that, uh, it, it just, um, sort of disturbs me so much personally, uh, that I wouldn't put that in a book, uh, at all. I don't think, you know, uh, stalking is okay. Um, you know, a, sort of a fairly straight murder is okay for me, but I, I don't like going, too dark. I don't like to go too dark with my stuff. It might be, it might be suggested, but I don't like, I don't like graphic stuff, um, in my books. So that's my kind of personal limit, uh, as a writer. I'm, 
I'm telling, I'm telling you that. I've written a scene today, but it's not graphics, it's suggested, where one of the main characters is, is about to be tipped into an industrial mincer and his face is just above the blades of the mincer. <laughs> so I've written a, a scene like that, but, um, you know, they're not, you don't, you don't I don't sort of write it graphically so anyhow it's just a day in the life of a thriller writer isn't it so I've sent that off you know it'll probably just go off into a void but that was one competition in particular I really just wanted to enter uh, not not on a political basis, just because I think it's an interesting concept. It's been quite controversial. A lot of people speaking out against it, saying, you know, if you're going to reflect true life, we've got to show these things. So it's 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 quite controversial. There's been a lot written on it. Uh, Val, Val McDermott, I think, was saying, you know, I want to, I want my anger about what happens to women to come out of my books, and I want to be free to write about them. Which was, I'm paraphrasing. I completely accept that. So I say it's not a political. Uh, you know, what I don't write for political reasons like that. It's just how I happen to write my books. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't write a book like that. But seeing as I got a couple that fit into its categories, I just thought I'd give it a try. This week, I interviewed Wendy Jones for my podcast. Now, uh, I'm just trying to think. Wendy, I've seen a couple of times, but I was sitting on the on the same row as her at 20 Books to 50K in London. And uh, as I always do, it's like when I was at the Amazon Author Academy, I said to LJ Ross and David Ledbeater, uh, will you come on the podcast? Can I get in touch with you? I always like when I see interview prospects, people who I want to talk to, you know, I, I get them signed up. Uh, Wendy, I would have done the same too as we were chatting. And so uh, it was a great interview, uh, really, really great fun. It's going to run on the 2nd of July. Uh, but uh, yeah, a lot of laughs in that interview. We had we had, we had had uh, good fun. Wendy's an amazing character. What a life she's had too uh, in the forces. She's been in the Navy and the Army. Got some great stories to tell. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks' time. I was editing that yesterday, laughing while I was editing it. She's uh, she's great fun. A couple of tweets to mention uh, this week. So uh, I've had an explanation from Tim Lewis. And it was like um, it was like being part of a Twitter documentary. It's brilliant. Um, I'd asked Tim last week about uh, covered reservoirs. I'd never heard of covered reservoirs because in the Lake District, they're the lakes. You know, they're just massive lakes. We've got loads of room in the, in the Lake District. Um, whereas in London, as, as Tim has explained to me, it's really common in London to cover the reservoirs with grass. So he sent me some photos and more information about it. It's absolutely uh, fascinating. I didn't know anything about this at all, but absolutely fascinating. And with my thriller head on, I was thinking, hmm, could you bury a body under one of those? That'd be a great place to bury a body, wouldn't it? What do they line? What do they put over the water? So my thriller, my thriller writer hat on. Is, is, and it's making me sort of think about, hmm, good place to hide a body in a covered reservoir. More research required, I think. Now, I've also had a tweet from Italy. And um, I'm just going to murder these pronunciations. So uh, apologies for this, but you will know who you are. Uh, no name on this, but it's from the Twitter handle Churisti Per Spaglio. As you can tell, I never did it Italian. Uh, as a language um but uh, it's a lovely tweet beautiful blue sky very italian setting uh, listening from all the way down southern italy 
I'm going back to work during 2nd of June celebration. Thank you for the podcast. It's so honest and informative. And um, we haven't made contact at first. I love it when these these kind of tweets come out the blue from somebody I don't already know, somebody who's been listening to the podcast and who finds it useful. So so welcome. Um, let me know who I'm talking to because um, I'm, I'm not quite sure from your, your Twitter profile. It's always nice to have a, a name to put to the Twitter profile. But thank you for listening. I'm very envious of you being in Southern Italy. As you can tell, I like being abroad. And um, also, um, Edwin Downward has uh, sent me a tweet, and uh, Edwin's been listening to the podcast while working <laughs> through the backyard jungle. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. When I um, when I went self-employed, Edwin, one of the things we did, we used to have a house with a huge garden in it, and um, I got rid of the garden. Uh, you know, I used to spend. Well, my wife and I, it had it was loads of trees, and my wife used to be there composting the leaves, and it was constant through the winter. And I'd spend the summer strimming and cutting the grass and things like that. And and when I went self-employed, we decided that we weren't going to do that again. I don't want a big kind of huge garden again because it just takes all your time. And actually, you know, I grew up in a in a garden. I mean, my dad used to love it, but I I just learned to hate it. I I hate big gardens. I like I like lovely, easily maintained gardens. With I do like the colour of a garden, but um, I need to be rich enough to have a gardener because I do like big gardens, but I don't like gardening. So um, I, you have my sympathies, Edwin, and uh, it's quite a big yard, that. A bit of uh, cutting to do by the looks of it as well. looks like you might have a few leaves that fall there too at the wrong time of year. So uh, I'm pleased that we managed to distract you from having to do your weekly labours in the garden. And then finally, I've, I've got that picture of me and Miles Hudson at the Amazon Academy. I've put that on the resources page for this week. I also added it to Miles's interview. Uh, and it was interesting, actually, um, we got a tweet and I'm just looking at my, um, I'm just going to my notifications here just to remind myself. It was, he says, who was tweeting about this? Oh, where is it? Where's the tweet? Because we were having a bit of a laugh about it. There it is. It was Julie. Julie Stock tweeted. And uh, I just mentioned your tweet, Julie, because uh, on the surface, it looks like Miles is a, is a, a writer of physics books. But Julie tweets, what an interesting interview this was. I didn't think I'd enjoy it so much because, you know, physics, but I really did. Uh, great interview questions, Paul, and such detailed answers, Miles. Wishing you the very best of luck with it all. So, yeah, I mean, Julie's sort of got it in a nutshell there. Don't just think that because Miles writes physics textbooks that this is going to be a dry interview. Uh, you know, it was a really, really interesting interview and very little physics in it, except I do mention ticker tape machines. Now, I had a little conversation with Julia. Julie doesn't remember ticker tape machines. Ticker tape machines are pretty well all I remember about physics at school. So um, if you remember f- ticker tape machines, uh, let me know, please. I, I can't be the only one who remembers ticker tape machines. Uh, Miles Miles remembered them, but apparently they've been superseded by something much cooler these days. But as I say, it's a great interview with Miles. Very, very informative. And don't be put off by the word physics. Don't let that put you off because uh, we don't talk about physics in that interview at all. So um, that's it for another uh, podcast diary. Let me just remind you, please, of that podcast survey. And I will be reminding you probably over the next four uh, diaries about this. It's paulteague.com slash summer. If you listen to this podcast with any degree of regularity, please just let me know what you think. It'll really help me. And I'll, I'll sort of make the decisions probably over summer and, and start to deliver them um, from October, I'm guessing, which is kind of my review period for the podcast. Now, we are in this 
kind of fits and starts with the podcast guests at the moment. So Miles Hudson's interview was published last Monday. The next interview is scheduled for Monday the 18th of June. So we're going to skip a week and then we'll have another podcast interview. This is going to be episode number 117 of the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast, Monday the 18th of June. And the interview is with Barry Hutchison. Now you've heard me say probably on this diary before I've always been really proud of the the regional voices that we get on this podcast uh, so so much of what you hear is is south based uh, we get a load of northern and Scottish writers uh, on this podcast so Miles is from the northeast this week um, you can't massively tell it from his accent but Miles is from the northeast and then for the, uh, for the next couple of weeks we've got uh, Barry Hutchison who's from Scotland and Wendy Jones who's from Scotland too so as I say I, I never proactively set out to get regional voices on the podcast but I am pleased that we hear so many regional voices on this podcast I think you know it's just it's, it's a good thing uh, particularly living in the north that not everything is south uh, biased it's good to hear all these uh, eclectic voices from around the country and around the world so uh, Barry's going to be on the podcast on uh, the 18th then and Barry um, he was sort of he kind of stole the show that he was very, very funny at 20 books to 50k. Uh, you know, all the information was brilliant, but in terms of laughs, he's just a natural. And uh, now Barry's been a children's writer for many years. And uh, this is one of those interviews where you will get startling information about how little traditionally published authors earn. Barry's written 80 or so books uh, as a children's writer. He's had comic strips in the Beano. He's helped on a children's TV series. And you will be astounded when we come to talk about earnings. And for that reason, he's now embracing fully self-publishing because that's really doing very well for him. That podcast interview is coming up in, in a couple of weeks' time, Monday the 18th of June. Thank you very much for listening. Please do fill in that survey. I will be back with you next Saturday. What am I writing next week? So look at the schedule. Two, uh, well, you'll have heard me write another five. I'm writing on Friday and Saturday next week. So by the time I record this diary, uh, then I will have written, hopefully, another 5,000 words. But whatever you're up to this week, uh, writing or, or editing, proofreading, whatever it is, I hope you have a fantastic and productive week. I'll speak to you next Saturday. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.